0: Sports betting landscape from coast to coast. This is Betting Across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum on VSense, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the program. It is Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Mike Pritchard, half of your hosting team. I'm in Vegas. The other half is also in Vegas. Is Adam Burke in for the vacationing Josh Applebaum. Adam, how are you?
6: I'm good. Last one here. Let's make it a good one.
2: That's right. It's been a good week so far. Uh, I think. Thanks again. Uh, you've been tremendous as always uh, on everything. I, I said to Josh before that we're in good hands with you when it comes to betting Major League Baseball, uh, and that is true. Uh, so I cannot thank you enough for your time here on the program, of Betting Across America. Let's start here uh, with the NHL, because at the end of the show yesterday, uh, we did a little bit of a breakdown, and then right at the end, you said there's going to be a lot of goals. I didn't think this many, uh fourteen of them, but man, what do you make of that situation between the Avs and the Oilers uh and the onslaught that we saw on the ice in terms of scoring?
6: Yeah, I mean look, imagine a, a total of seven and we doubled it <laughs> right. in game one, which is uh which is remarkable. And you know the the one thing I was kind of thinking, and you and I were actually talking about this once we got off the air yesterday was mm-hmm the game one between Edmonton and Calgary, then the nine, six game that Calgary won just completely wide open. Right. And then after that, the teams kind of adjusted a little bit to a certain degree, kind of expected this series to go the same way where both teams would just kind of go all octane, all offense push forward against a couple of, you know, goaltenders aren't playing particularly well. That's exactly what we saw. Now. The question is, does this series tighten up a little bit? Does it have the capacity to tighten up a little bit? I mean, we had five goals in the first period, six in the second period, only a couple of power play goals, too. Out of the 14, we did have an empty netter at the end, which cashed for Avalanche puck linebackers. Right. But, you look, I mean, you just you look at this game and, and you wonder where defense would come from throughout the rest of this series and maybe more importantly where goaltending would come from because we didn't really see much of any in game one.
2: Well, absolutely, and so looking forward to game two already because we already hear it. I mean, even after the game, they were talking about we got to tighten up defensively. Uh, we can't allow odd man rushes that way when we got a lead. I mean, I give credit to the Oilers coming back down 7-4 in uh, that building, Ball Arena. I mean, it was electric out there. Uh, but I think you highlighted something that I'm focusing on as a better moving forward uh, in this series. I mean, I know we're going to see elevated totals. Uh, we're seeing right now uh, a 7, I think, uh, for uh, the Game 2 situation. I don't know if any goalie is going to be able to, I don't know, quote-unquote, stand on their head to help out any type of defensive effort. Uh, if you're the Avs, you're going to probably try to outscore Edmonton anyway, if you can. Right. And
6: obviously, I mean, from the looks of it, you can, mm-hmm. you know, Mike Smith did not play well in that game whatsoever. Right. Mike Smith has been very inconsistent. I'll, I'll nicely put it for him here in the playoffs, but you know, I also am not really a big believer in Miko Koskinen either. You know, a guy that, uh, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to watch a little bit. I don't really love his positioning. Don't really love his fundamentals. He's a guy that kind of you know, he's, he's a big, awkward goaltender. He's a very tall guy. So it's a little bit strange for him, uh, you know, sometimes to with his angle play and all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I don't really see him being an answer in this series for Edmonton. So Edmonton's going to have to outscore Colorado. And we'll see if they're if that's something that they're actually able to do here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think um, when you look at these matchups, too, uh, Connor uh, McDavid, um, Nathan McKinnon, too, uh, you know, You could see it in their eyes. At least I could. Uh, I I mean, you could just recognize that they were going to try to one-up each other. Uh, McDavid led the way, too, for the Oilers. Again, looking forward, uh, Adam, it's like I think I'm leaning towards Edmonton from a series standpoint, not to win it. I think the Avs are going to win it. But, you know, game two's bounce-back situations, I I know we're going to see a lot of goals because of the fact that they were able to come back, though. Uh, the way that they did as opposed to, okay, can the AVs make adjustments to hold on to a lead?
6: Well, I mean, look, I, I think part of it was Colorado got a little bit complacent. You know, once they got up by, by that big mm. lead, they, they got a little bit complacent. They were up by four goals. They kind of slowed it down a little bit. Uh, but look, I mean, Colorado had 43 shots in just over 52 minutes of five on five hockey in this game. So, you know, look for me, I just, I look at that and I think to myself, I don't know how Edmonton can, Stop Colorado on the rush. I don't know how Edmonton can clog up the neutral or clog up the neutral zone, clog up the defensive zone. I just don't think that they have the coverage. I mean, you look at a lot of those shifts for Colorado. They were downright dominant Mm -hmm. in the first period and and really throughout the second period too, in terms of puck possession, in terms of, you know, just being able to showcase their talent throughout Colorado didn't get good goaltending last night. That's why that game was as close as it was. I think there was nothing that was, you know, a fluke about Colorado's offensive performance. And that's the concerning thing for me with Edmonton mm-hmm. is, you know, look, if they have to score six goals a game
2: to win, you know, two or three games in this series, I don't know if they can do it. i tell you what, uh, it's encouraging to not see the altitude affect Edmonton either uh, that way. I mean, I, a, lot of, a lot of people will make note of that in terms of going to Colorado and, and, and then skating like that and having that comeback. Uh, it was incredible. Okay, let's look at the con Smythe Trophy odds right now, trying to get ahead of things. Uh, Adam Burke. Nathan McKinnon, he's plus three hundred. Uh, that guy's on a mission again. Uh, really speaking about how they should have been in Stanley Cup Finals years ago. Kel McCarr is off the charts good. We all know about that. You got Vasilevsky on this on this list too. Shesterkin on the list. Um, Connor McDavid at ten to one. Does that stand out to you at all? Well, look, I mean, if if Edmonton is going to win mm-hmm. the Stanley
6: Cup, Connor McDavid's going to be the MVP. Right. but What we saw last night makes me believe that they won't get through this series. So I don't really think that taking Connor McDavid at 10 to one is, is that great of an investment? Look, as you said, they battled back and that's great, but also too, I, Colorado could have kept scoring. I think if they really wanted to, and then they were trying to slow that game down a little bit, maybe try to give their goaltenders a little bit of confidence going into game two, which I don't really think worked out, but you know, Colorado, what they did over the first half of that game makes me really think that they're going to win this series in probably five or six games. So I wouldn't take a guy like McDavid. So I think at that point, you have to be looking at the Avalanche players. Cale McCarr is probably the guy plus 325 that I think has the most upside Mm -hmm. because this series looks so wide open that he'll create a lot of offense from the blue line, a lot of offense on the breakout. So to me, I think he'll wind up being maybe the leading scorer in this series, if not close to it. But for me, I think the guy that you have to look at in terms of that list is Andre Vasilevsky at plus okay. 550 because if Tampa Bay wins it, the odds are very good that Vasilevsky wins the Conn Smythe trophy because while they're a pretty good offensive team and you've got Nikita Kucherov there at 10 to 1, this looks like, this series between the Lightning and the Rangers, looks like a pitcher's duel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Just a knockdown, drag-out rock fight where Vasilevsky's going to have to be good, maybe have to be better than Igor Shesterkin. And you know, the numbers that he's put up in closeout games and all of that, I just think Vasilevsky, especially if they play this Colorado team that looks like they can't be stopped, then you know Vasilevsky's gonna have to be really good in the finals. So to me, like if you like Tampa Bay to mm-hmm. win this series against the Rangers and win the cup. Vasilevsky at plus 550 is, is your look for MVP.
2: I like that information right there. Kel McCarr plus 325. Again, those offensive defensemen, uh, they are incredible. Certainly, that guy is off the charts good. But let's get to Tampa Bay. Real
6: quick, I guess I should say this. Just to do a little
2: yeah. bit more on the Vasilevsky
6: point. You can get Tampa Bay plus 230 mm-hmm. to win the Stanley Cup at MGM or Vasilevsky plus 550 to win the MVP. Okay. And I think if Tampa Bay wins it, It's Vasilevsky's award, so you're getting more than $3 more worth of value in terms of taking Vasilevsky as opposed to taking the Lightning to win the Cup. So I think that's a really worthwhile gamble if you're thinking that the Lightning do at least get past the Rangers, and I do think that will be the case. Then you can decide if you want to let Vasilevsky ride, if you want to hedge it a little bit with a Colorado series price, something
2: like that, you create some options for yourself. Makes no sense to me. I mean, the Avs had that guy. The Avs actually had that guy. Uh, Couldn't get right back then, though, in Colorado. Uh, Let's get to Tampa Bay and the Rangers right now because you got Tampa Bay minus 125. uh, Five and a half is a total here. you have a lean or thoughts uh, where you want to go with this game? Well,
6: you know, I think the under five and a half is probably the play here in game one, but it is pretty heavily juiced, minus 120, minus 125. That's a lot of juice to pay here on a total. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could take an alt total under four and a half, something like that. Because I, I think unlike the game between Edmonton and Colorado, where you know the opening game had very little structure, very high octane type of style, I think in this series, game one will be more of a feeling out process as opposed to just going you know up and down the ice like that game was last night. I think this one will be a lot more controlled, a lot more battles along the boards, probably a much more physical game. But you've also got maybe the two best goaltenders in the world. In Vasilevsky and Shosturkin here in this one, so I think this is a low-scoring game, maybe a three to one, three to two type of affair. Uh, if you didn't want to lay that juice on the under five and a half minus one twenty-five, you could maybe take an under four and a half, something like that, and hope that comes through.
2: Maybe a debate, you know, as betters too. Uh, this is going to be a conventional hockey game, right? Uh, Tampa Bay and the Rangers, whereas we saw something completely different last night as a bettor. Uh, do you have a preference? Because to me, last night, give me that kind of style of hockey, and I can bet that. I, I feel like I can bet something like that more so than uh, what we're going to see tonight with these two teams.
6: Yeah, I mean, last night was fun. I think tonight's a, a different kind of fun. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't mind a one nothing pitcher's duel or a 2-1 to game, something like that. I also don't mind a game that's, you know, 13-10. to 10, You know, so I think it's just kind of in the eye of the beholder, but I, to me, I think... In this Lightning Rangers series, the two best players are the two goaltenders. You want those guys to shine because you want to see players at their best in the postseason. In the other series, it's just all about talent up front. So. You know, for me, I'm happy if that Colorado series, you know, every game goes eight, seven, or something like that. But in this Rangers Lightning series, mm-hmm. give me the, you know, give me the three-two, three-to-one types of games where it's just edge of your seat drama, but just in a different way.
2: Different way, indeed. Five and a half is a total under juiced up minus one twenty-five. Got to remind everybody out there that Adam Burke's uh, Twitter handle is at skating tripods. It is.
6: And as I tweeted yesterday uh, in my beer league days, we played a lot of seven, five, eight, <laughs> yes, six types come. of games. I
2: bet. You probably had beer on the bench, right? I mean, that's what a beer league is all about, right? Yeah, the water
6: bottles didn't have beer in them. <laughs> okay.
2: Or didn't have water in them, I should there say. There you go. Um, I want to remind everybody it's time to get into BetMGM Sports, Nevada, the premier sports betting app. BetMGM is all your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Just download the app today and stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID. Open an account. Start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. You're going to love the state-of-the-art technology and fan-friendly specials. Every Every day of the week, visit BetMGM.com. For terms and conditions, must be at least 21. And physically located in Nevada, please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, it's 1-800-522-4700. We preview MLB awards and futures odds. Coming up next right here on VSEN, the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is Betting Across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum on vSEN, Sports betting network.
2: The vSEN summer special is here and it's $39. You get everything vSEN has to offer from now to the end of July. Here's what you're going to get. You're going to get Adam Burke's daily MLB best bets. Jonathan Von Tobel will have Best Bets all the way through the NBA Finals. Annie McNeil will break down all the action on the ice all the way through the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll have lots of NFL preseason coverage as well. Also, we'll have you covered with golf, UFC, USFL, and NASCAR. If you want the full VSEN experience, which features a daily Best Bets email, every edition of Point Spread Weekly, a use of our betting tools, and a live video stream whenever you want it. The cost is only $39 to be a subscriber through July 31st. Get to VSEN.com slash summer. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America presented by Betmgm. Mike Pritchard, Adam Burke with you. So updating some scores in Major League Baseball, uh, Mr. Burke here. We got the Guardians on top of the Royals 4-0. Mets on top of the Nationals. No surprise there, really. I mean, it's 2-0. But uh, Padres down 1-3 to the Cardinals, uh, underway in a doubleheader with the Marlins uh, and the Rockies. Yeah, you know, look, uh, Cleveland
6: hitting bad pitching teams again. Mm-hmm. So you know that's kind of been their mo for several seasons now. They really struggle against good teams and, and seem to do pretty well against the lesser teams that are out there. The one that's interesting to me here is this Padres and Cardinals game where. You know, this was something I actually looked at this morning and I didn't fully realize, but the Padres' offense is really not very good. It, it's been carried by Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer, and right. I knew that, but to see how poorly they actually rank in terms of full season, weighted on base average, WRC+, plus stuff like that, this is not a good offensive team. And the market has been betting against them a little bit. Didn't happen today because Dakota Hudson was a – Pretty primary regression candidate on the mm-hmm. mound for the Cardinals, but he winds up pitching well, kind of underscores that this Padres offense just isn't particularly good.
2: I want to give you a Sabre metric that I've been studying, and okay. I want to know if you apply it or not, or if I'm just wasting my time studying the Sabre metric. Uh, it's FIB or FIP, excuse me, FIP. Do you know what that one is? Of course. FIP is actually a a really important stat. Is it really? It is. So (laughs) so what FIP is, is it's, it's
6: a run estimator based on things that a pitcher can control. Mm -hmm. So strikeouts, walks hit by pitches and home runs. The idea that batted balls are subject to a lot of variance. That's something that definitely impacts ERA. Not only if the batted ball finds a patch of grass or not, but also who's on base, where they're at, stuff like that. ERA is subject to a lot of things that. Or you know, are, are mostly just sequencing, just mostly things that a pitcher doesn't really have too much control over. Um, I, that's a very simplified version of it. Mm-hmm. But FIP is definitely a good indicator of, of future performance. Specifically, if you're looking at a pitcher that's either overachieving or underachieving, FIP can be a better indicator of maybe where their numbers should be.
2: Kind of where they're going to trend. Like right. uh, in other words, I mean, you can use ERA, which people do, but I was, you know, just studying in FIP, uh, Fielding Independent Pitching, uh, and it's interesting to me. I, I I don't know how to apply it yet. Your explanation is going to help me uh, for sure in my portfolio. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's get to uh, NFL um, – excuse me, NL MVP odds here uh, in Major League Baseball because some interesting numbers here, odds here for like Mookie Betts, for instance, plus 350. Machado, plus 350. Goldsmith, uh, plus 800. Harper, uh, Bryce Harper, plus 900 here. I mean, I, what do you do with the Phillies at this point? Uh, Alonzo's at 10-1 to 1, Uh Arenado's at twelve to one. And then you got Freeman at fifteen to one. So Mookie Betts, maybe two or three weeks ago,
6: was about twenty to one. So he's he's absolutely been on a tear lately to really move up the board. And and that is something that happens a lot throughout the course of the major league baseball season. Guys get hot and all of a sudden their numbers kind of move around a little bit. Think about a guy like Paul Goldschmidt, for example, who's now the, the third choice at eight to one there at Bet MGM. That's because he's on a 21 or 22 game hitting streak. I'm not sure if he's got a hit yet today, but it was up to, I believe, 21 yesterday. But that's a guy that's just, he's been surface of the sun hot here for the last little while. Does have a hit today and also two more walks. So he's been on base three times again here uh, in this game for the Cardinals. So, I mean, that's a guy that's just swinging it so well right now that, you know, his price, he was probably, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 to one before this current tear. Uh, it's, it's a really tough award to kind of look at in season, because as I said, guys are kind of prone to some streaks and some slumps and all those different kinds of things. Uh, for me, I'd be looking to try and invest in, in maybe somebody like a Freddie Freeman at 15 to one, just because the price is there for a guy that it was just a, a complete hitter. He's fourth in the national league in F war fan calculation of wins above replacement player. He's trailing Mookie by quite a bit. And also Manny Machado, but you know, that's a guy that can get on one of those Goldschmidt-esque tears. All of a sudden, he goes from fifteen to one down to five to one or six to one or something like that. You wind up with a good bit of equity in that kind of bet.
2: You know, the Mets are on a historic start to the season, and Pete Alonzo's ten to one. Uh, you see two Cardinals up on this board on this list too. Uh, when when they get the pitching back, what about Pete Alonso? I mean, it's ten to one, but yet right. he's really helped the Mets have this start. So.
6: I don't want to take too much away from the Mets because I mean, they've won twice as many games as they've lost Mm -hmm. so far, which is a pretty impressive accomplishment, but they're at Los Angeles here Thursday through Sunday. They're at San Diego Monday through Wednesday. Then they play the angels who are a team that has really fallen off the pace here. They've dropped six in a row. Their pitching's kind of gone in the tank, but then they play Milwaukee at home, Miami at home for four, go to Houston host or go to Miami host Houston. So, the month of June is very very challenging for the Mets. They've played a pretty weak schedule here for the most part to this point. Now they're going to face some better teams, some better pitching. I would probably wait on a guy like Alonso who could maybe end up having a little bit of a lull here with some better teams to face. But then after that, you know, when things soften up a little bit again, maybe he's lurking out there at 15 to 1, 18 to 1, something like that. Then, as he faces lesser teams, he could get back on a tear and move himself back up the board.
2: All right, let's get to some games here. A game that I'm looking at uh, San Francisco, Phillies. I mean, my goodness, the Phillies cannot buy a game uh, or a break for that matter. They might get one because of Nola on the bump. Uh, and Rodon has not been pitching great the last three games that he's been out. Uh, and so I looked at a buy low opportunity, perhaps for the Phillies who are desperate for a win. It's minus 120 at home with Nola on the bump. Eight is a total. What do you think?
6: Yeah, you know, look, I I looked at this one, too, and I I thought about taking the Phillies here. Mm -hmm. The concern for me is that over the last two weeks, their offense has been awful, and they need a good offense to overcome a bad defense and a bad bullpen that you mentioned. I mean, look, this is a team that – from the seventh inning on, you could play Yakety sacks you know the Benny Hill theme over the broadcast <laughs> because it would just fit. It would just make sense. I mean, they kick the ball around in late game situations all the time. They've lost a bunch of one or two run games here lately. If you want to bet the Phillies at this point, you basically have to bet the first five. And at least today, because a guy like Rodon is on the other side, you don't have to pay that much of a premium on Aaron Nola, mm-hmm. But betting a full game with the Phillies right now, I uh, it's a Really hard thing to
2: do. You know, that's a great point. Uh, I'll probably look at that, too, on top of the fact. I mean, I, you know, I look at team totals, everything. I just find in different angles here. But I am interested in, in the Phillies maybe looking at the first five situation right there with the good pitcher. Uh, and, and it's probably the medicine that they need right now to help out that lineup.
6: Right. And also, too, one thing about a guy like Aaron Nola, he, mm-hmm. he doesn't walk a lot of guys. He does strike out a lot of guys, which can run up your pitch count a little bit. But he's generally very efficient. I mean, he's one of the few guys in Major League Baseball that you can count on to go six innings almost every start. Last time out, he pitched into the ninth. He threw eight and a third. When you've got a guy like that, that's good enough to keep your bullpen from getting exposed because he's going to pitch seven, eight, nine innings, something like that. You may have to use one reliever, two relievers at most. You know, every team generally has two relievers they can rely on. Mm-hmm. So the thing about Nola and, and why you can bet him with a little bit more confidence as opposed to a Ranger Suarez or a Zach Eflin or somebody like that is because Nola is likely to work deeper into the game for you. And that keeps that bullpen away, which is exactly what you would want if you're betting on the Phillies.
2: You got Rodon, who's a um, strikeout pitcher. Cannot strike out anybody right now in the last few games. Okay, uh, Angels, Yankees. A uh, downer for the Angels. I was looking. I saw fireworks it came from the Yankees. Did not see anything from the Angels. Credit left-handed pitching. Perhaps they got to go up against another lefty uh, in Cortez here, who throws junk. Uh, so, uh, Angels right now, they're plus 160. The Yankees minus 175. Eight is a total. What do you think?
6: So I kind of thought a little bit about the over in this game. Kay. I do not like this matchup at all for Reed Detmers of the Angels. He's a pitch-to-contact left-hander, so he'll face a lot of righties in this lineup here today. And the last thing that you want to do with this Yankees team is pitch-to-contact in Yankee Stadium. Right. So I really, really don't like the projection here for Detmers. Maybe a Yankees team total over because this total is only eight, so the Yankees team total is a little bit lower than maybe you would expect it to be. The reason why this total is eight is because of Nestor Cortez for the Yankees. Mm. One seventy ERA, two fifty six FIP. He looks really, really good this year. I don't think that he's this good. I think he's pitching above his head a little bit. And the Angels do have a solid lineup. So I really did think about the over in this one today. Uh, but just wasn't able to fully get there.
2: Yeah, I mean, Cortez, I mentioned he throws junk. I mean, he he can quick pitch you. He does all this uh, arm angle and all that. I mean, could it just be primarily a lefty thing for the Angels, uh, eight and seven against left-handed uh, pitchers so far this year? Well, look,
6: I mean, you know, we talked about it a little bit yesterday in terms of facing lefties that you're not all that familiar yeah. with. You know, they come from different arm slots. They have some different quirky things, deception, the you know, stuff that we talked about. Cortez doesn't fit the profile as a high strikeout guy because he only sits about 90-91, but – it mixes his pitches really effectively. He's got good command, good control. So, I don't know. We'll see how the Angels wind up faring
2: tonight. Yeah, I know. I, I want to see more from the Angels in this moment, too. I mean, we talked about Trout as an MVP guy, but I think he was over uh, in that situation against the Yankees right there. Okay, coming up on the program, uh, we stay in the AFC North with our NFL season previews, the Ravens on deck. We also get to the news about Deshaun Watson, all that and more, coming up next right here on v the Sports Ready Network.
7: This is
0: Betting Across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum on the
2: Sports betting network. This segment of Betting Across America is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes dip or vape. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties. They also come in two strengths, so you can easily find a satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, which is America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide. Visit zen.com slash find to locate a store near you that's zyn.com slash find warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is an addictive chemical welcome back to the program is betting across america presented by Jim mike pritchard adam burke with you here today in studio in south point inside south point hotel and casino uh nfl headlines kyle murray decides to report to cardinals otas uh not shocking, maybe, you know, the whole contract thing, right? Uh, and then Deshaun Watson now facing the 23rd civil lawsuit over alleged inappropriate uh, sexual conduct right there. Um, I, I mean, everybody's going to have a thought on this situation. Uh, the NFL, they're compelled to suspend this guy. I mean, as a better, I think you got to keep that in mind.
6: Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, you know, and and also too, you and I've kind of talked about this a little bit. We talked about it on yesterday's show. Whatever happens is going to happen. But the NFL needs to let the Cleveland Browns know mm-hmm. what's going to happen. You know, they, they, and especially too, you know, I mean, I, I know that uh, this situation is much bigger than than this betting bubble that we're all a part of. But the league does have you know a lot of partnerships and things like that with sports betting companies to where. You know, there's a little bit of added pressure in terms of the gambling community right. to let everyone know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson. So, you know, I don't know if if this 23rd uh, you know lawsuit coming forward has any impact on what they've already discussed. I don't know if a decision has been made and they just haven't released it yet. I don't know, but you know, the, the NFL needs to needs to say something soon uh, about what his punishment is going to be. And I do think. There is going to be one. It's Mm -hmm. just a matter of of what the degree is. And then, of course, there will be an appeal process as well. No matter Mm -hmm. how many games he gets, him and his representation, and we'll see how the Players Association handles it, but there there probably will be an appeal on his behalf to maybe cut that suspension length down a little bit. That's another process that takes some time. So the the NFL just needs to make its decision so that everyone can kind of move forward with however they're going to handle it.
2: Well, the NFL investigation is ongoing. Um, but they're opening themselves up to perhaps another, another lawsuit, maybe 24, 25, 26, who knows? Uh, but at this point, uh, definitely keeping in mind that Deshaun Watson will lose some games uh, come up later on this year. Okay, let's get to the Ravens uh, here in the AFC North. Uh, they couldn't avoid injuries before the season even started. Uh, you had uh, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, uh, two running backs right there, go down. Uh, they still got out the gate, though. Uh, impressive. They lost in overtime to the Raiders out here, but uh, they went on a stretch where they played decent football and won despite of all the injuries, which speaks of hardball, the culture. Looking at the win total right now, it's 9.5. The over, minus 135. The under, plus 110. Yes to make the playoffs, minus 120. No, plus 100. What do you think about the Ravens? So This pains me, as a Cleveland
6: (laughs) Browns fan, to say this, but if I was to be given a hundred dollars or if I used a hundred dollars of my own money Mm -hmm. or more. Okay. I would take the Ravens at plus 200 to win the AFC North. Wow. This is a team. I mean, look, they were eight and three last year before, you know, Lamar Jackson gets hurt in that game against the Browns and, you know, everything kind of fell apart for them, but there's six losses after that. They lost by a point at Pittsburgh, two points at Cleveland, a point at home to green Bay got blown out by 20 by Cincinnati, a point against the Rams and then three points in overtime against the Steelers in that week 18 game. So even with all of the injuries, even with the Lamar Jackson you know, injuries that he was dealing with, this is a team that still only lost one game in that six-game losing streak by more than three points. This is a team that was right there, mm-hmm. even with everything that they had to deal with. And I think that, It's going to help this defense out to bring in Mike McDonald, who was the defensive coordinator at the university of Michigan, previously the linebackers coach here with the Ravens. So he's obviously very familiar with this system. I think John Harbaugh kind of threw his brother a bone and said, look, take this kid. He's smart. You know, he's what 34, I think 34, 35. He's smart. I want him to have a year of play calling experience because he's kind of come back with me Mm. and that's exactly what happened. And I think that, Look, I mean, Wink Martindale's had a phenomenal career, mm-hmm. obviously. But I think maybe a change of voice and maybe some new schemes, maybe some more adaptations to the current NFL is going to help this defense with McDonald as the D.C. I, I just think that the, the last six games, all losses for this team, I don't think that they define how good this team is. And, in fact, I think that they may define the the what you talked about, the culture yeah. and what Harbaugh's able to do oh, it's a with so division. many close games.
2: Yeah, it's a culture division. I mean, every team, Pittsburgh – uh, Cleveland, uh, if they can get consistent with it. Uh, Cincinnati's kind of developing one, but certainly Baltimore has one though. Uh, Baltimore was minus 11 in turnovers last year yeah, too. No, that's, that's usually a really good indicator for positive regression. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I was going to ask you that because uh, you mentioned that stretch run uh, for the Ravens at the end of the year, December into January, where they went on that losing streak, close games. So as a better, do you have that carryover effect? Uh, and factoring in what their season and trying to project it this way. Because as a player, you know, we think of the seasons as snowflakes. They're all different. Like, we can't carry over what we did last year because everybody knows what we did last year and everybody's going to get better and we need to get better. So, like, I I know from a betting standpoint, I I was wondering, do you do that uh, from a carryover, understanding the stretch run for the Ravens was difficult?
6: Yeah. And being a metrics guy, mm-hmm. I do look a lot at the stats from okay. the previous season. I think that you have to, I mean, look, maybe there is just a, you know, a different mindset with some of these teams. And obviously you bring in different personnel, you upgrade in certain areas and right. all that. But I think when you look at this team, the fact that they are, you know, a slight favorite to make the playoffs, the fact that their win total is nine and a half juiced pretty heavy on the overside at BetMGM. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're lined for this division in the same breath as you know the Browns and, and as the Bengals, I think speaks to the amount of respect that this team has coming into the year. So it's not like I'm getting any kind of deep discount or anything like that. I just think that this team is as good as the market suggests it is.
2: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think Lamar Jackson is evolving into the quarterback that everybody wants him to be. Uh, I know he got injured last year. He's on his, on his way to uh, his third consecutive consecutive 1,000-yard rushing season, if you think about it, before the ankle. Uh, but here's encouraging news uh, about Jackson. He had 382 passing attempts last year. Um, only 24% of his plays were play action, you know, with the run fake. Uh, 16% were the RPO variety. That leaves about 60% from drop back. And that's what he has to evolve to from, from a standpoint of winning a Super Bowl for the Ravens. He's got to be a drop-back passer. He's got to stand in the pocket. And he completed 64% of his passes. So he's on the verge of turning into a different type of quarterback, which bowls well for the Ravens this year.
6: And also, too, I mean, you know, we kind of talked about it yesterday in terms of the Cincinnati Bengals and how, you know, they reach new heights, they make it Mm -hmm. to the Super Bowl. You know, having that one year where you take a really big leap is one thing. But being consistently good, that's another thing. And the Browns had their good year a couple years ago. They made the playoffs. They beat the Steelers. One of the greatest days of my Browns fandom. (laughs) But, you know, then you get the Bengals last year. But the, the team that has consistently been good for a long period of time is Baltimore. So you look at Cleveland. Yes, they have all the talent, but can they reach their expectations? Cincinnati, same thing. Can they reach their expectations the second year in a row? Baltimore is just a culture of winning. They're very good at talent evaluation, player development, all of that. That's just an organization that's that's kind of a model in terms of the NFL. So for me, I think that can be a separator in a division that's full of talented teams.
2: Yeah, you mentioned Wink, uh, new defensive coordinator, even though he had been there previously as a, a linebacker's coach. Uh, defensively, the Ravens allowed 23 points a game, which was pretty good, right? Uh, considering all the injuries that they went through on both sides of the ball. What about the, the notion that this defense is aging, though? Because I mentioned about the whole snowflake thing. Each and every year is different. Uh, Calais Campbell's still there, but you look up and down this roster defensively, uh, I, I think a lot of these players are going to get hurt again. I mean, it's 100% injury business. And we saw what happened to the Ravens down the stretch last year. Uh, This aging defense does concern me a little bit.
6: Yeah, it's a fair point. I mean, look, as you said, they gave up 23 points per game, but also they were 29th in turnover percentage. Mm -hmm. Only 7.9% of opponents' possessions ended in a turnover. They only had 15 takeaways. They were minus 11 in that department. So they were kind of up against it a little bit, you know, too, where – you know, you lose Lamar and I mean, Lamar doesn't take great care of the football anyway. Mm-hmm. So that kind of puts the defense up against it a little bit. But again, this was a team that didn't force takeaways, didn't create any margin for error for themselves and still only gave up 23 points per game, which was right around league average. Yeah. So I give them a lot of credit for that. And also too, you know, what we talked about that you finish in last place in your division, you get some last-place teams when they put together that schedule. Now, of course, one of them is Denver, who probably will not be a last-place team now with Russell Wilson. But still, they have a little bit easier of a schedule than some of the other teams in this division here. And maybe that's something that plays in their favor as well.
2: It, it will. I mean, you start off with, with the Jets uh, that way right there for the Ravens. Um, minus four and a half right now, too, uh, which is interesting. Uh, but Lamar Jackson coming off the injury. People are making waves about his contract situation. I'm I don't, I'm not concerned about that. I mean, the Ravens can control it still with franchise tag.
6: Right. Yeah, and, and again, they're smart. I mean, right. they're very well run. They'll figure it out.
2: Yeah, they will. Uh, we'll see if Lamar can figure it out because he's representing himself uh, right there in that situation. Okay, coming up next, best bets, uh, some Major League Baseball bets, and also we'll get Adam Burke's thoughts on the NBA Finals. That's coming up next right here on v the Sports Betting Network.
0: This is Betting Across America with Mike Pritchard and Josh Applebaum on vSense, the Sports
2: Betty Network. BetMGM Gym is giving baseball fans a chance to swing for defenses. Register using code VSEN200 and win $200 in free bets when you place a $10 money line wager on any game if either team hits a home run regardless of your bet's outcome. Enjoy baseball like never before with BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. MLB trademarks used with permission. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be at least 21. It's a new customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-GAMBLER if you feel that you have a gambling problem. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi, Nevada, or New York. Welcome back to the show. It's Betting Across America, and we are presented by BetMGM. Mike Pritchard, Adam Burke with you in studio here at South Point Hotel Casino Las Vegas live. Uh, Let's get to Major League Baseball for some best bets. Adam Burke, uh, Braves and Diamondbacks. Uh, saw that game yesterday. Great info from you on that game. Got a matchup with the Braves and Mad Bum uh, for the Diamondbacks. What do you think?
6: Yeah, speaking of swinging for the fences, I hope both of these offenses are doing it tonight because <laughs> I'm going to run it back and do that first five over uh, for the you know for this game as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, over four and a half today. It was five yesterday. It's four and a half today. Do in large part because Kyle Wright's on the mound for the Braves. Yeah. Charlie Morton's been iffy to to put it nicely for Atlanta here so far this season. Kyle Wright's been pretty good, but In his last start, his average fastball velocity down 1.2 miles per hour. He got hit pretty hard in that start. He's been hit pretty hard in his last two starts, actually, at least in terms of contact quality against. So – Kyle Wright, I'm thinking he may be a little bit iffy here in this one. Meanwhile, Madison Bumgarner, same thing I talked about yesterday, doesn't strike people out. Mm -hmm. He's a fly ball pitcher, giving up some hard contact. Should be a matchup that lines up pretty well for the Braves, I would think. So over uh, four and a half for the first five in that one. That one we did see the juice move down a little bit because Ronald Acuna Jr. not in the lineup for the Braves. So both of my picks today actually, two significant position players missing, (laughs) one from each lineup.
2: You know, it's interesting because Mad Bum from a career standpoint, has pitched well against the Braves. I mean, I don't know how you factor that into capping this situation that he's in now. He's 32, not pitching well now. Uh, and his numbers are trending up, too. Uh, the consistency, though, or lack thereof from the Braves standpoint with their lineup, is that shocking to you, defending champions?
6: Yeah, quite a bit. I mean, yeah. you know, the, their offense should pick up now as as the baseball gets a little bit better. But mm-hmm. to your question about Bumgarner and his his career splits against the Braves, doesn't really mean anything to yeah. me because – that's over a long career, first of all. Mm-hmm. Second, you know he's always pitched out in the out in the NL West, so he's faced Atlanta maybe once or twice a year. Teams change a lot from year to year, so you have to apply so much context to right. those career numbers versus a team that they they don't cross my mind at yeah, all.
2: I like that context. You got to use that because people will throw out stats all over the place, uh, career stats even, uh, and it'd probably a waste of time in my opinion from a capping standpoint when you're looking at the player currently. Okay, Minnesota Twins in Detroit. Uh, Detroit, they're both. I mean, it's a pick really. really. Seven and a half uh, is a total. Where are you going here?
6: Yeah, so this is one where this line's moved against me a little bit as well. I got the twins in the article today over at com 115. You can find minus 105. They may even be a dog uh, by the time this game goes off, yeah. but that's because Byron Buxton not in the lineup for the twins. And mm-hmm. when Byron Buxton is not in the lineup, a line's going to move. And that's exactly what happened here in this one. So. I've cooled a little bit on this play, but it's out there in the world now. It's up at vston.com, so it's tracked in my spreadsheet, and I just have to hope that the Twins are able to overcome not having Buxton in there. But I think Bailey Ober matches up really well against a Detroit offense that doesn't make a lot of high-contact quality. Uh, Ober's a right-handed guy. It's a right-handed heavy lineup for the Tigers, especially with Robbie Grossman out now. So I don't really like their offensive projection today. Obviously, the Twins are facing Tarek Skubal, who's a very, very good mm-hmm. left-hander. But – You know, Scoobles faced a lot of bad teams so far this year. His last four starts are Cleveland twice, Baltimore and Oakland. So I think that the twins can have a little bit more success than those lineups have had. And the twins bullpen is actually in pretty good shape despite yesterday's doubleheader. So I thought the twins were worth the play. And uh, I wish that Rocco Baldelli would have called me so I could have told him to make sure that Buxton was in the lineup.
2: I hear you. Absolutely. That'd be nice to have something like that. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Ten overs yesterday, six unders. Um, you had a write-up of Easton.com, uh in which you're happy to be the month of June uh, because of the situation that, we you know, scoring, we talked about this a couple weeks now. Scoring is ticking up here in MLB.
6: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I was actually talking with Danielle Alvare of the L.A. CityCast about this yesterday, and when that episode gets released today, or maybe it already has, uh, I'm on it, so make mm-hmm. sure you watch that. <laughs> but, you know, we were talking about it, Danielle and I, about how, Baseball has so many seasons within a season. There, mm-hmm. there are just so many adjustments that you have to make basically on a week to week basis. And in the month of May, we saw the ball go from completely dead to being somewhat lively, especially in certain ballparks. So I had to make a massive adjustment basically in the middle of the month. Didn't really do a good job with that adjustment. May was pretty much a break even month for me with the article. And it's because everything was just so much different. You know, you just the pitcher stats that were out there how much do they really matter when, mm-hmm. when the ball is playing differently as the weather warms up? So hopefully now that we're into June, a little bit more consistency, the temperatures should be, you know, near what they should be throughout the month of June, as opposed to the big jumps we saw in May. So I'm hoping that June's a, a little bit better of a month for me. And hopefully it starts today.
2: Well, we hope the same. Absolutely. Adam Burke right there in major league baseball. Okay. Let's get to the NBA finals. Uh, this is your last show with BAA this week. Got to get your thoughts. It tips off tomorrow. All uh, all the hype, uh, surrounding this game. I mean, it's mostly on the experience of the Golden State Warriors, the dynasty versus the upstart Boston Celtics, um, the young blood, if you will. No experience in the finals. Uh, your thoughts on the matchup, uh, game one, a series matchup, too. I mean, game one, we got uh, Golden State uh, laying three and a half, two 12 and a halfs to total.
6: Well, I won't be here tomorrow, so I'm going to throw this back at you because okay. then you won't get mad at me, or at least <laughs> you, you won't hold it against me tomorrow. But I want to ask you about the move and the total here mm-hmm. because yesterday we talked about you know kind of how these teams would match up defensively. right? And we haven't really seen the side move at all. It's been 3.5 pretty consistently uh, you know, for most of the books that are out there. But the total has now gone up to 2.12.5. It's only a one-point move, a modest move. But I want to get your thoughts on that because we talked about how these teams may try to match up defensively, mm-hmm. and it looks like some people thinking that game one may be a little bit higher scoring, which
2: to me I think would benefit the Warriors more than the Celtics. Well, it does. I mean, the Warriors at home, too, they have been spectacular. But uh, if you are talking about the Warriors establishing themselves offensively, that's going to be difficult. And then you got Boston just trying to uh, make sure they can keep up because you don't want to go down and have to go on a run uh, with Golden State. But uh, I, I think Golden State, you know, Steph, the matchups, uh, Marcus Smart, you can, uh, you can look at that one. Uh, Clay, you can look at the one with Tatum, probably going to happen that way. Uh, how are the Warriors going to establish themselves offensively? Are they going to get into transition? Are they going to out-rebound Boston? I don't know if that's going to be true or not. Uh, so I saw that tick up a little bit, but I think it's probably about home court. Uh, game one situations heavily favor uh, home court advantage, uh, and the Warriors, the firepower that they have, uh, you see, we'll we will have to wait and see kind of how the Celtics are going to have to adjust to that. But they're going to have to score. I mean, we know that. At least I, that's how I'm thinking about this series. I give the Celtics a chance, though, uh, I like them. Uh, in this series, in this matchup. But that total ticking up, uh, looking for uh, just the Warriors to kind of assert themselves in that game one.
6: Yeah, and look, I mean, the Warriors are only, you know, minus 150 in terms of the series mm-hmm. in most places. So that puts them about 60% implied probability to win it. So right. if you think that this is, you know, more than a 40% chance for Boston, then maybe that's a serious price that you want to get invested in. My, my question about the total moving up here is, is this a true position? Or is this just some influential people out there kind of bumping up this mm. total? Because when you talk about a standalone NBA finals mm-hmm. game, you're talking about the public probably having enough investment to at least influence this line to some degree, right? So you know that the public's going to bet overs because that's what they do. You know, that's just, you want to see points. You don't want to root for a low scoring game. That's not fun. That's not enjoyable, right? So a lot of bettors will go ahead and bet the over. So my one, I'm kind of wondering here if that move from 211 to two twelve and a half. and a half just kind of massaging the market, okay. pushing it up a little bit. As you get some piggyback over money coming in on this game, maybe we see some of those sharper people come back on the under at a little bit better of a price. Maybe we get to 213, half, something like that, before this thing actually tips off to the point where – you get some of that sharp buyback coming in on the under because this one did get bet up a little bit at open right away. Right Now another wave of money. Maybe it's just kind of you know, some market manipulation
2: out there with still you know, so much time in advance of the game. Minus 110 over, minus 110 under right now, even with the total adjustment and a half. Uh The first half points for Boston and their series against the Heat uh, you know, is telling to me 62 in that game one loss uh, as the Celtics got into that quarter of doom. Uh, that did them in in game one but they got off to a fast start 70 points in game two which was a w uh there are other w's uh in that series 57 first half points uh and then they had, did have one game in which they had 37 first half points uh but you think about game seven and close it out 55 first half points right there so uh i mean i think the celtics they, they certainly have the ability to score and create scoring opportunities uh, and that that's why I'm thinking from a total standpoint uh, if the Celtics can get off to a fast start it'd be very interesting to see how the Warriors adjust to that though
6: yeah well it'd be a series of adjustments mm-hmm. two very very good teams two well coached teams series of adjustments for sure do you have
2: a lean? I, I think Golden State wins it okay After all that, (laughs) Golden State, uh, a lot of people are leaning that way. I mean, it is a dynasty, lack of experience, too. uh, But I do give the Celtics a fighter's chance. Great job this week. Pleasure to have you. Always. Always enjoy it. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. Adam Burke right there. Coming up next, The Edge right here on VSEN, the Esports Betting Network.